So welcome back to The Active Listener. And today, once more, we have Dr. Samantha Reed, who's going to be talking a little bit about the digital self. So welcome back, Samantha. And what do you mean about the digital self? Unpack it a little bit for me. Hi, Matt. My PhD research concentrated on looking at this idea of people having a digital self, which is a representation of themselves online and I was looking at it particularly from a marketing context and researching whether brands should be communicating with people in a different way online as they might do offline with a particular emphasis on branded apps but mainly what I'm looking at in terms of the digital self is whether the online space gives people the opportunity to create a person that would be different to somebody who they might show other people in their everyday lives offline. And this fascinates me because we can basically have multiple versions of the self offline and online and in different contexts. And that can be both freeing for somebody, but also a challenge when having to kind of manage that in in terms of, of how you're representing yourself online and how other people are responding to that. So I guess really when we're talking about a digital self, what's real? Is is there, you know, a part that people are freer to be who they really are online, or is there something about who they would like to be and they're projecting online? What what are your th thoughts about that? Part of my research looked at the way that we construct the self in terms of the actual self, so that person that you are now, how you see yourself in everyday life, and this ideal self, this person you'd like to be in the future, sort of person you aspire to be. So what the digital space does, it gives us an opportunity to maybe move towards that ideal self because you're able to now access uh, different groups or different brands or different people to move towards that ideal self. So it might be, for example, that you see yourself driving a Ferrari and although you can't afford a Ferrari, you know, actual self can't live that dream, you could follow them online, you can interact with them online and you can start to form a relationship with the brand in the hope that in the next 10, 20 years that you mm. could own a Ferrari. So from a branding perspective, it kind of allows us to move towards that. But it might also be in terms of your own social self. Perhaps you want to be more kind of confident or um, you want to, sh to sh show part of yourself in your offline life, in your kind of walking around life. But you can't do that. But you, through forums online, you can interact with other people who might be going through something the same as you or have this same part of them that you wish that you could talk about more and so in that way you can can be more authentic to who you are and and but also move towards that ideal self in a more so, anonymous way sometimes as well i'm just wondering what is the the connection between a company achieving sales and engaging with people that may or may not ever be able to buy, in reality, buy that fancy car? Uh, it depends on the company itself and, and yeah, who the target market is and whether they are looking for that aspirational market who could potentially 
achieve that um or from a pr's perspective whether this mm. connection could form greater public relations in, in terms of that positive brand image um but yeah it wouldn't necessarily be in their benefit if you could yeah but you're targeting towards people that never go to be able to follow that but in the future it could be they could be potential customers and it's kind of one part of it's only really one part of their overall strategy so i think that part is kind of going under the radar it might not be something that they're purposely doing it could just be something that people are doing in that digital space um but where brands are finding their target market is connecting with them in that way that gives them a huge opportunity to have more kind of two-way conversations so rather than just advertising um to somebody in a traditional form where they could have give no feedback what something that social media has allowed us to do is to start those brand conversations and form more intense brand relationships so it depends really on what the company is you've done this research and you you were looking at people's engagement what what did you conclude from doing that so what i was particularly looking at was about branded apps so apps that have a predominant brand logo or brand name led by brand and i was researching whether people were downloading apps that were connected to their actual self or mm. their ideal self and how that affected their engagement level and how much they used that particular app and what i found were there were this smaller group of people who would have an app on their phone uh, that they didn't really use necessarily they use now and again but it was there because it was a kind of comfort to them because that brand became part of who they were so we call this brand engagement and self-concept it's about they saw that brand being as part of them whether that was their actual ideal self for other people their the branded app was more maybe for out of necessity so it became part of something that made their lives easier so it might be for example a, a take away delivery ordering service app or um a shopping app that they used um on a regular basis to help overcome a particular need that they have and then for another group of people they downloaded an app originally that they saw being close to who they were so it might be a fashion brand for example that they could see themselves being similar to this imagined brand personality they had but then over time the time that I studied them they then deleted that because then mm. they found actually you know that brand isn't like who I am and I don't really want to be associated with that brand so they would delete the app and um, there might be that there was a one particular instance where there was a PR scandal around this particular fashion brand so the person then deleted because they just didn't trust that brand anymore and um, and what was interesting about the particular research is we looked, the reason I looked at branded apps is because they're they're on your phone so you take mm -hmm. that everywhere you go and it's very personal to you and isn't something we tend to show people whereas usually we would maybe show other people our brands through the clothes we're wearing or from the, the particular brand of phone that you have or the car you drive but the apps are very very personal to you so it's interesting to look at how people were 
navigating those brand relationships when they weren't actively involving others. That is interesting. So there's something there about engagement with a brand because it's an interest, or as you say, they aspire to. So the Aston Martin, love lovely cars. I'll never. I, I'm unable to drive, but I enjoy looking at them and being sat in one and being driven around. But I, I'm not likely to buy one. But then there's the practical side of like, well, um, you've got Uber or something. Where well, is that really a brand? But it, there's something practical that you're using the, to, to to purchase the items or whatever it is. And I, f I find the the third one really quite interesting as well. That there's something there about people engaging, but something is clicked and thought mm -mm, this isn't for me any anymore from that perspective it, it was ethics is there something also about people evolving that as they change they they find that they, they've outgrown something or, or whatever yeah definitely that is something i found with some of the research participants that when we started the research they had to give their favorite apps and somebody put a particular app down as their favourite, and by the end of the research, they said, "Oh no, that's not my favourite anymore." You know, I've they they graduated since then, and they've moved on, so it no longer formed part of how they saw themselves or of use of them at that time anymore. Um, so yeah, there was definitely this evolving sense of, and I think that's in a general case as well in terms of brands. You know, brands that we had as teenagers, you probably wouldn't necessarily associate with all of them now because they may be seen as young and more young hip than we are now. So we don't necessarily <laughs> want to associate <laughs> with them. Um, and brands are very aware of this. They, they form a particular personality also part of the research I, what I did as well was getting people to imagine what that brand might look like what they might be like if they were a person what would they drink at the bar um would they be the type of person that would come and um, pick you up for an emergency at four o'clock in the morning so it's trying to get people to imagine the kind of personification really of this person um and what they would be like and Again, if you outgrow that, then you and you kind of shift away from that, then that can hurt that brand relationship. So brands, that's where brands are constantly kind of changing their strategy and then their messaging um, as their target market grows and changes and the different situational factors that are impacting on that. That's that's fascinating. So um, it's slightly off piece, but in regards to marketing and sort of identifying your your niche or your your market of people how do you go about that without you know I, I'd imagine there's possibility there to really play into stereotypes so how do you go about identifying people and, and so what's what's the process? The Valve is looking at trends and see kind of see these things you look in to the future of what people are kind of going to want to need. So marketing is all about meeting people's wants and needs. So seeing what particular people are going to want or need in a particular time or kind of upcoming needs. And then just consumer research and doing some research into that target market. And we have a lot of debates actually um, in my role as a lecturer and I, I'm, I'm teaching marketing students about how do we create that perfect customer and you know are they genderless now and mm. are they should we be putting them in a particular age category and it, it 
depends on the what it is and who you're particularly trying to define but envisaging those that person's value so looking at the target audience what they value what's important to them in their lives how is this brand or this product or this service going to overcome a particular problem or issue or a particular need that they might have um, so it's really getting into the intricacies of people and the, the typical mm. things that people might want to need and then taking that into a kind of research setting and seeing whether what you're offering does match that um, before it kind of goes mainstream. So how much of marketing is about influencing and how much is about responding to? Because you're identifying your, you know, what people want, but how much is also about well, you have a product and you want them to want it. So I'm going to convince you, you need to buy it. How does that work? <laughs> this is, okay, okay, another interesting debate there about whether we are influencing people through commu marketing communications. Um, but ultimately that product or that service has been designed around well it should it should do now in terms of customers needs it's kind of customer led um and then it's about communicating with customers that you know you know they've got this need or and mm. that you can overcome that so i wouldn't so much say it's influencing it's more kind of bringing about those conversations and getting people to kind of maybe realize if they've got a particular need or want but of course we also know that people are social animals and we 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 respond to other people as well so you see some your friends got something and you think oh i want one of those so we know that within marketing so we know that people will behave as consumers in that social world so it's also looking at how th those trends and we can look at that from a global perspective as well and see when things are coming so we kind of anticipate when something's um happening within asia for example and we can start to create that need and that desire for that in the uk so when that product came becomes here people kind of recognize that because we've built that up through our communications right so there's there is definitely then um a sense then of influencing because i think on one side i, I can definitely say okay look i'm a coach you know i bring something that's going to help you help yourself or as a dentist or whatever you need you need that tooth extracted the dentist is going to help you whatever it may be however do i need another pair of nike air jordans probably not because i've already got five pairs so do i need a sixth no i don't but my best friend over there has got that sixth one i've got to now have it because it looks too good um do you see what i mean so that but you're what you're talking about is definitely um you gave the asian market you're preparing the uk ready for whatever that may be so that now they know they want it that this so is it there's an interesting whole debate there about consumerism but i think that's probably for a different time um so going back to the the digital self is there anything else you wanted to add about that i suppose 
the other interesting thing about the digital self is how you can kind of adapt that in different situations. So in terms of um, online gaming, for example, there's a whole load of research there in terms of whether people are creating these kind of characters for themselves within a gaming world and how they might interact mm -hmm. with other people's digital selves. Mm -hmm. um, and what I'm really interested in researching next is what that means offline in terms of if you've got this persona online you're interacting with people then what is your offline self doing mm. so that kind of if there's a potential disconnect what that means for people's kind of well-being and kind of if you're having to maintain this um different multiple selves um how that means especially now because there isn't really a, a, a line anymore about between offline and on, online you know we carry around the internet everywhere we go we're all wearing devices that are constantly connected to the digital world um, so I think it can be a challenge, and particularly for younger people um, who've grown up with this. How do we navigate that? Yeah, it sounds like there's something there about maybe not fully accepting who you are, you know, uh, and so having to live in this sort of virtual reality of being who you'd like to be but you know you don't feel you you're that so the the digital world enables you to be that very thing how do you interact with the digital world do you have a different persona online as you do in reality i find that i have different kind of forms of social media for different purposes um, i have sort of family account or interact with kind of family and friends and then sort of more professional channels um where I talk to different people and I think that it can help like in terms of networking social media is probably where I sort of use that most from a professional capacity so I don't tend to I don't think sort of create any kind of digital self because I'm quite a private person anyway so I use it more for networking or just learning from others and I just read and listen to a lot of things that other people talk about so I don't think I actively try and construct any kind of digital version of me um but I think that's just me keeping myself <laughs> guarded in in that respect but it's interesting to kind of see what other other people do and how other people choose to kind of create that mm -hmm. that person when you know when you're looking at different people's accounts and it's interesting to see what people kind of share twitter i don't know how people go about living a daily life with the twitter feed going off <laughs> all the time and you, you could be literally stuck on that thing all day and not getting any other work done you know um but people do it's obviously in some individuals it's it's just part of their life and they're able to manage that alongside and perhaps just another way to communicate you know and for brands as well that's giving them an excellent opportunity to be able to form their relationships directly with customers and that constant 
being there through our, our feeds means that you can constantly communicate with your customers in a way that we haven't been able to do before and using things like Snapchat filters and actually physically kind of interacting with people through those. I think that that's completely changed marketing communications and, and the way that we can get much closer to brands now. And indeed, that's something that's always going to evolve, I suppose. Um, so if you were to look down the lens and try and envisage sort of five, ten years down the line, and how can you fully know? But where, where do you see things going from a marketing perspective with the big brands? I think we're going to see more in the kind of augmented reality space. And, and there's a huge potential there to help consumers to kind of make choices through um, augmented reality. So I think that's going to be a sort of growth area there. Um, and potentially sort of other ways that we can kind of share things with people as well is going to constantly evolve. Um, and, you know, we could, we could we get to a stage where we can just kind of throw recommendations across people's different devices and to the extent that you're you're making these kind of instant um, sharing decisions, but maybe in a more kind of visual way so people can get kind of see things more clearly than it's not, rather than just being a post so that we can actually kind of live that experience uh, digitally. So give me an example, what, what could that look like? I'm uh, thinking, sort of, so you've got some kind of, use, you can use sort of augmented reality now in, in stores as well, where you kind of can see things, what things would look like in terms of trying things on, like these kind of virtual mirrors, as it were. So it's kind of turned to that next step or there's kind of capabilities already where you can kind of see what glasses might look like on your face without actually putting them on so that um so taking that to kind of the next level if i go down to the local gym i can sort of look in the mirror and see i have a flat tummy again and yeah. you know I'm, I'm gonna look 20 years younger um so that's gonna inside me now if I, wow that's possible i'm gonna join yeah, exactly. Like cool. Well, look, thank you, uh, Samantha, for your time. Um, it's been really insightful and uh, appreciate you uh, giving some time out of your busy schedule. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me along. No problem.